Cowboys aren't in West Virginia today. Hunting possum. This Big 12 football, brother. It's so good, man. I, I love it. This BYU football team needs one more win to extend its first year in the Big 12 into bowl season. The 30, the 20, the 10, the touchdown! And the Cougs are right back in it. The Mountaineers are beating expectations this year, and they're looking for win number six, just like BYU. We've been in a lot of third and long situations, so we're trying to do a, a better job to get in those third and short, third and medium situations so that we can have manageable drives. You're listening to KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU, West Virginia. Our hosts are Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Coming to you live from Morgantown, the country roads, BYU and West Virginia extended pregame. We got you covered for the next three hours, getting you ready for this Big 12 clash that will feature a new quarterback for the Cougars. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for KSL Sports. Joining me from Salt Lake, Matt Biamonte. We host Cougar Sports Saturday every single week in this spot. So typical time for us, Matt, and this is an important game for the Cougars to see and get that bowl eligibility, as you heard in the open. Huge game on, on lots of fronts. Can they right the ship, as you mentioned? And, and look, it's worth repeating numerous times. Getting to a bowl game is critical for this team. It's one of their goals. They're one game away. They've got a few opportunities, but the schedule, Mitch, continues to get tougher. Let's get into this game with the leadoff. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. New QB1 for BYU today, as we confirmed on KSL Sports. Keaton Slovis out, unless it's an emergency situation. He's dealing with a shoulder injury, elbow pain. So in steps Jake Retzlaff as BYU's new quarterback. He's a junior college transfer, and he's going to get the QB1 snaps today for BYU against West Virginia. Matt, your thoughts on Jake Retzlaff stepping into the QB1 chair for the Cougars. Man, what a crazy week for BYU football. My thoughts on Jake Retzlaff coming in are, I love the way that this has unfolded. You hate to see an injury, Mitch. Uh, it, look, Keen Slovis, there's been some highs, there's been some lows. You hope that he's back sooner rather than later. But if you had to go to Jake, you wanted it to be a scenario in which you didn't have to bench Keaton. And so with Keaton being injured, it allows Jake to come in. He got all the reps this week at practice. And I'm excited to see what he can do because we've all wondered. Let's be real. All Cougar Nations wondered, is the offensive problems, is it A-Rod, is it the run game, or is it the quarterback? And we're going to find out at the end of today if Jake Retzloff comes in and is slinging it all over the yard because, look, he threw for a ton of yards at Riverside City College at the JUCO level. A lot of yards, a lot of 400- and 500-yard passing games. If he comes out and is slinging it all over the place, then maybe Keaton Slovis was a bigger part of the problem than some of us even realize. So I think this is really exciting just to see can a new quarterback be a shot in the arm to help this offensive unit get going. For those of you not familiar with Jake Retzlaff, you know, we've had him on the show throughout the offseason when he first signed with BYU back in January. Then we also did a check-in in spring. He's six foot one, 205 pounds. He's out of Corona, California. He was previously at Riverside City College, and you know he was the number one junior college quarterback recruit in the 2023 recruiting cycle from ESPN. He wasn't in the top 100 by the industry standard 24-7 sports. 
But Retzlaff was a guy that coaching the coaching staff was very high on. They felt like he was someone that got overlooked due to the COVID-19 pandemic, basically taking away his senior year in high school. So he was kind of falling through the cracks on the recruiting trail. And now he steps in and he's a quarterback, Matt, that can improvise. He's got unique arm angles from his playing days as a baseball player in high school. He can do a lot of different things, and I think one of the notable aspects of Jake Retzlaff, who we caught up with, and we, as we mentioned in the spring, he's someone that feels the ability to improvise and get out and run out in space. It's, it's real fun. It, you know, it reminds you of backyard you know, football and uh, getting to do whatever you want. And as, as a quarterback, getting to move around, it's always great to be a threat in so many different ways to the defense. You know, that scramble drill is really a second play. And you ask any defensive guy, you ask any DBs, it's really like guarding a brand-new play. Everything that happened for the five seconds before that doesn't matter anymore. And so it's, it's fun, and, and a lot of great opportunities come from it. And so uh, it's exciting. I love to do it. It's going to be a new element for this offense because Keaton's just not mobile. and uh, You can – Say that Aaron Roderick maybe can't call plays for a mobile quarterback. You know, it, it none of that matters now. What matters now is you've got Jake Retzlaff making his first career start, and can he make plays happen? Can he allow this team to move the football? We're talking. Uh, you look at the offensive stats, Mitch. They're bad. Uh, they can't run the ball. They're dead last in first downs. They have a hard time uh, maintaining possession. They're bad on third down. There's a lot of stuff that you can point to, but what's exciting with Jake Retzlaff is there's no film on this guy. It, it's a blank slate, for better or for worse, and it can go it can go either way, and that's what makes the game so interesting. But it's going to be fun to see with this new quarterback in Retzlaff, how, how does the offense change? Do they use that mobility that that Jake Retzlaff just spoke about on a previous interview with, with us? It's it's really exciting just to see what direction the offense takes. And maybe this is exactly what the Cougars need. The jump from junior college football to power five football is a big one, Matt. This was Rhett's laugh earlier in the year on how big that jump truly is. It's definitely a jump for sure. You know, you get, you get everybody's got Division One bodies everywhere now instead of, you know, here or there and a couple D2 bodies and Juco. But uh, the way I, I mean, it's definitely a jump. And so it's fun to see it and it's fun to know that, you know, you also got that on your side of the ball. And it's awesome. You can really rely on your guys a lot more in uh, Division One football than you can Juco. So it's, it's fun. I'll tell you what, Matt. I feel like Jake Retzlaff is someone that's going to give you some spectacular plays tonight in this game. And you know what it's going to look? I feel like there's going to be a little more familiarity with this offense, you know, to the likes of Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, than what we've seen from Keenan Slovis. That was one of the big questions coming into the year was how much has the offense changed without a running quarterback? Aaron Roderick's bread and butter has been having running quarterbacks. Jake Ratzlaff wants to ultimately sit in the pocket and throw the ball, but he does like to improvise, and he likes to get out and run. He ran for more than 500 yards in his final season at Riverside City College. He can get out in space and make plays happen, so I just feel like that maybe opens up the playbook a little bit more, and the options that Aaron Roderick has thrived at BYU with uh, maybe it's a little bit more in play with Jake Retzlaff than, say, with Keaton Slovis. No doubt. And I really hope, too, this is another interesting storyline. How much confidence does Aaron Roderick and this coaching staff have in Retzlaff? Now, I hope it's a situation where the full playbook is at his disposal because I want to see him run it. I want him to be slinging the ball around. I want him to, to throw it 30-plus times. I don't want it to be a situation where – you've got a first-time starting quarterback, and it's going to be 70-30 run to pass. Because, look, BYU is just not a good running team. Like, 
with Jake Retzlaff. Let's just empty the playbook. Trick plays, have him throw some long balls. Like, I want to see Jake Retzlaff run the offense, and I'm hoping Aaron Roderick allows him to do that. Kickoff tonight here in Morgantown, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Eastern. BYU's been a pretty good team in Eastern games as of late, and they're also a good team at night, Matt, as the Cougars look to embrace the night, as Kalani Satake said earlier this week. They're 7-0 and in their last seven night games. Our producer, Nate Slack, has been tracking the night game trends for a while. Either the vampire Cougs maybe come out on this Eastern time zone, so we'll see if that happens. Is Jake Retzlaff going to be QB1? We confirmed that this week on kslsports.com. And you can get to know more on Jake and his story up on kslsports.com. Put up a piece this morning on five things that you should know because he's an interesting player. Totally. And he's someone that we've gotten to know a little bit too this offseason because – well, we, we all share a, a common thread where we're Laker fans. So he's a California kid. He's the first-ever Jewish starting quarterback at BYU. There's a lot of unique storylines with Jake Retzlaff, and I'm telling you, if he has a game where he performs well and he somehow pulls off the upset tonight, I think he's going to become a fan favorite instantly with this BYU fan base. You look at his numbers from Riverside City College last, uh, last year, I think it's worth mentioning them because this should get BYU fans excited. He completed 63% of his passes, threw for 4,596 yards, 44 TDs, added over 500 yards on the ground, as you noted, Mitch. Six touchdowns there. He had passing games. He had nine games with 300 passing yards, which well, as BYU, done that, they've done that one time this year, right, at Kansas. So, like, think about that. Nine times, 300 yards. Six times, 400 yards. Two times 500. Like, I can't even remember the last time we had 500. Was it Jaron Hall at Virginia? We need uh, producer Nate to be checking some facts here for us. But, man, those numbers are exciting. And I hope that it translates for BYU against West Virginia because they need a spark, man. This offense has been – it's not been good. Even in the wins, it has barely had flashes. Like, think back to that Cincinnati game. If they don't have that burst in the third quarter, do they lose that game? So – I want to see Jake Ratzlaff go out, ball out, let him run the O, and let's see what we got with this kid. Because it's easy to think about the here and now, and getting that sixth win is the most important thing, Mitch. But you look forward to next year, Keaton's not coming back. He's done. And where does BYU go to next? Because you got Cade Finnegan, you got Ryder Burton, and you got Jake Ratzlaff. If you don't get a good look at Jake, do you find yourself wanting to go back in the portal and get another guy, because in a perfect world, Jake comes in today, he plays well, and you feel like you have your QB1 next year. I'm glad you bring that up. And the the struggles with the offense recently are kind of the elephant in the room with this storyline. Keen Slovis is banged up. You know, and it, it, it's, it stems back to that last 300-yard game he had against Kansas, where late in that game, he gets banged up, and he's, you know, limping, and he stays in the game. And then at TCU... He bangs up his shoulder. The coaching staff and the trainers were looking at his shoulder, and it looked for a moment that Retzlaff was going to go into that game, but Slovis stayed in, and then you know he gets banged up at, at Texas where he's taking hit after hit, and we're seeing today, we'll do our conference check-in, but Texas's defense really good as they're just basically suffocating Kansas State. We'll get an update on that one a little bit later this hour, but you know, Slovis is banged up, and, and it's, it's also a positive 
statement too that Aaron Roddick is willing to go with a banged up, uh, uh, put a banged up quarterback with a with an ailing shoulder on the sideline and go to the backup because last year against Notre Dame they didn't feel comfortable with that. They went with Jaron Hall, who was basically at sixty percent health instead of Jacob yep. Conover at full strength. So I think that also gives you a lens into how they look at Retzleff on the staff that they say this guy could be. You know, maybe the QB1. Maybe he's not the, the greatest thing, but he might give us some spark in this spot at Morgantown to catch the Mountaineers off guard. we got to take a timeout, though. We're coming to you live from Morgantown, BYU, West Virginia, extended pregame. We're going to hear from West, West Virginia coach Neil Brown, Kalani Satake, and also a Big 12 conference check-in. It's extended pregame right here on KSL News Radio. BYU, West Virginia. Extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. That's right. Pregame coverage. Matt Biamonte, Mitch Harper, all season long here on KSL News Radio. BYU in Morgantown for their second meeting against West Virginia. First ever visit to Morgantown. And Mitch, you know, growing up, all I really remember about Morgantown was. They would burn couches in the streets. Have you seen any seen any remnants of torched couches in Morgantown? <laughs> no, no torched couches, but I did see a lot of RVs in the parking lot last night at the tailgate lot. There was a good size crowd already tailgating. I was I was surprised. You know, typically go to these venues and there's just no energy, no excitement on the Friday night. But West Virginia fans were getting that party started, nice. and I was instantly thinking, man, this is a clash of worlds between BYU fans and West Virginia fans. And and it's just surreal, Matt, that I'm out here in Morgantown, West Virginia, and BYU's playing a conference game. It's so bizarre. It's the new Big 12, but I enjoy it. I went to uh, kind of like a local sports bar in Morgantown that's West Virginia themed called Kegler's. They host the, the Neil Brown Coaches Show. Good stuff, kind of like bar food, wings, burgers, fries. There's a lot of West Virginia fans. They were all pretty nice. I... I guess I looked clearly like I was from Utah because I had a glass of water. And that was just like, like you from Utah? I go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here covering the game, uh, cover BYU. But they're all friendly. They're all nice. And that's kind of been the theme, I feel like. Shame in, on in, you. You didn't 12. have a Diet Coke or something? I just – I had a lot of a lot of Coke on the flights. and uh, uh So I just was like, I'm going to go water. You know, just go with a little bit of water, and I'll, I'll probably pound the Cokes during the uh, during the game today. <laughs> I don't know if, if West Virginia has the Coke products or not. It might be a Pepsi team. They seem more like a Pepsi Mountain Dew team, West Virginia. But uh, it's been a fun time, and, and it's it's beautiful part of the country. I'm, I'm enjoying my time out here in West Virginia. So – uh, Going to be a fun one tonight, uh, 5 p.m. kick between BYU and West Virginia. And it's on Fox, so with the World Series ending, that got a bump up from yep. SF1 to Fox, which is cool. Here's Neil Brown. He was uh, probably the Big 12 coach on the hottest seat going into the season. A lot of people didn't think that he would even make it to this point in the schedule. He's still there, and here's what he told the Mountaineers about playing BYU. It's going to be a challenge. You know, I told our team today when we when we kind of turned the page to BYU, I said, you know, everything that we that we preach about wanting to be, you know, they proved that they are. And so it's going to be really an intriguing game for me to see kind of where we're at. Interesting commentary there where they're trying to aspire to be what BYU has been in the past, not so much this year. But, Mitch, what are your thoughts? Uh, we're, look, we'll break this down throughout the next two and a half hours in our extend, in extended pregame coverage. 
But what is the outside of Retzlaff? That's the biggest storyline. Outside of that, what do you think is the biggest key for BYU against West Virginia? BYU's defense has to be ready to stop the run, and because West Virginia's got an identity, and you know Neil Brown's been complimentary this week about BYU. But unlike BYU, West Virginia knows who they are, and yep. they lean on the ground with Garrett Green, the quarterback, C.J. Donaldson, the running back, who you know, got benched last week, but he's back in the starting lineup, and he had a big game last week against UCF. They know they can run the football. And in a game, in an era where the clock can, be, can move really fast, if you do not get those stops, BYU defense, you will be out on the field a long time, and this game will go quick, and Rhett's left in the offense – won't have much time at all to operate. So that's going to be critical. BYU is one of the worst teams in the Big 12 and nationally on third down defense. So BYU's got to be ready to, to stop West Virginia's ground attack. And offensively, to piggyback of what you just said, and Kalani feels the same way, they can't be relying on third down. You just noted how poor they have been on third down this year. they got to be better on first and second. I try to keep it as simple as possible. Need more wins on first and second down. And whatever it takes to get that, let's let's get it done so we can get third and manageable. And there's nothing wrong with getting first downs on first down and second down as well. I'd like more first downs all around, Mitch. They're dead last in the Big 12 in that category. <laughs> I, I agree with you there. And hearing Kalani, was it, was it funny last night to see the West Virginia hype video dropped where they threw in the clip of Kalani singing... I can't wait to hear Country Roads and really love that song. And they incorporated that into their hype video. Country Roads, take me home. I'm actually excited. Have you to hear heard it that too. song yet out there? Actually, I have not. That's I have disappointing. Not heard that. There were there was some cheer inside Keglers. I couldn't. I mean, it was like some WVU, like WV, like it, it wasn't any Country Roads, John Denver uh, sounds. It wasn't. It was more Burley sounds inside of uh, Keglers. But uh, uh, <laughs> I, I look forward to hearing that. And there's some kind of cool traditions too with with Morgantown, the Country Roads. Obviously, there was this little uh, looked like almost like a rock in front of the stadium, but it's a this big piece of coal. The Mountaineers walk through this line, kind of like the Cougar Walk, but they touch the coal before going into the stadium. There's some significance there uh, at West Virginia. So just learning these traditions, it's kind of the fun part about being in this conference and knowing BYU will be back eventually down the road. We saw the new schedule matrix that come, that's for the next four years, and West Virginia and BYU, they're going to be part of this new Big 12 in the fabric of the league going forward, and maybe this could be a pretty fun match, but I think it could be. And I think you know both teams have not played – complete full 60 minutes of football really in any game they've they've won five times each of them but I think both coaches Neil Brown and Kalani are like let's put a complete game together and that's gonna be the challenge for both of these teams tonight to see if they can do that against one another Mountaineers are back home after beating UCF last year 41-28 BYU second consecutive road trip after being down in Austin Texas we were there uh, not the best environment obviously for the Cougars it was hot it was humid what's the what, what's the game day conditions going to be like Mitch it's supposed to be overcast you know high 50s low 60s i feel like i'm like i'm matt johnson like I, that's i'm like the ksl meteorologist here when i'm saying this but yeah it's supposed to be kind of cloudy uh, it's going to get kind of cold low 40s high 30s uh, for at the end of the game cuz it'll get late i mean it's you know it's already out here 2.29 p.m. It's so weird watching morning college football games and going, oh, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. What are we talking? What are we doing here? But, uh, yeah, so it should be pleasant, though. No inclement weather in the forecast for tonight's game between BYU and West Virginia. Taking the break. News, traffic, and weather coming your way. And then on the other side, we'll continue with pregame coverage, BYU and West Virginia.
Country roads and BYU's road to a bowl game run through the hills of West Virginia today. Touchdown Cougars! Isaac Rex hauls it in! BYU is facing the musket of a Mountaineer team that's also looking for its sixth win. People want a quick fix and they want an answer, and that's just not how football works. I still think that they can get themselves to bowl eligibility. This is KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU, West Virginia. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into extended pregame coverage, BYU and West Virginia. Mitch Harper coming to you live from Morgantown. Matt Biamonte, my co-host on Cougar Sports Saturday and Cougar Nation Monday night, six to seven, here on KSL News Radio, coming to you from Broadcast House in Salt Lake City. You know this BYU West Virginia matchup, Matt. It's it's the first time BYU's ever traveled to West Virginia, 37th different state the Cougars have ever played in. I, I often wonder, I was talking with the West Virginia play-by-play man, Tony Caridi, and I was saying, I got to imagine that uh, there, there's more uh, games uh, you know, played in states by BYU than, say, programs in the SEC who never leave their home state. This has been a coast-to-coast football program for, for many years, BYU. Uh, but they're not going to be making another trip to West Virginia until 2027. How we know that? Well, we found out the schedule matrix earlier this week in the Big 12, the new-look Big 12, 16 teams going to be joining the league. And you can see the full breakdown of it on kslsports.com. But wanted to get your thoughts on that new-look Big 12 next year and beyond and and how this schedule is going to shake out in the future. Yeah, I had two big thoughts, Mitch. Number one, this is my optimist thought. I thought the schedule was really balanced. Like, I feel like there's a good rotation. You're not stuck playing the same people year after year. There are some protected games. But if you go across the next four years, it's really well balanced. Like, BYU's not going to be going back to West Virginia until 2027. They'll have the Mountaineers back home in 2025. So I just like the balance. It doesn't feel like one year is light and the next year is hard. I just feel like there's a nice balance all throughout all four schedules. So I'm really happy with that. I was really disappointed to see Utah gets the first home game in 2024. I felt like, first, I did not like that all the new schools are getting a full revenue share next year. So Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, right out of the gate, full revenue share. And the newcomers, BYU, Cincy, Houston, UCF, they don't get that. So like they're already behind from a money perspective. But they joined the conference first, so I felt like, hey, if anything, throw these newcomers who are not getting as much money a bone in the scheduling department that first year when the new people come, and BOU doesn't get it. Like, they get Arizona State at home or on the road. They get Arizona at home. That's it. They don't get Colorado at home. They don't get Utah at home. So it's like, it just feels to me, based on the schedule and the money perspective, that these new schools are valued more than BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincy. I don't like that. I don't like the the message that sends to the conference. I don't like the precedent it sets. It doesn't matter, but that was a a major disappointment to me. Home games for BYU next year in the Big 12. We don't know dates officially yet, but Arizona, Houston, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State. So five home games. BYU is going to be hosting in Big 12 play next year. The away games, as you noted, Utah, Arizona State, Baylor, 
UCF. They make a trip out to Orlando. I got to imagine Cougar fans are going to love that. I'm going, baby. You go. <laughs> we're taking the families. We're going to Disney World. Let's go. Oh, I, I will be at that one, I, I would imagine. I have family out there, so I, you got family out there, so we, we will definitely be making that trip. We might see each other in trip. church the next day, Mitch. And we, we might have to. We might just have to do uh, the whole week of shows uh, that week <laughs> next year uh, from Orlando. But I'm with you on the Utah game next year that I felt like there should have been a little more fight to say, hey, we were in the Big 12. We believe in the Big 12. We've put Big 12 Roman numeral logos everywhere around Provo that we possibly can. We love being in the Big 12, whereas Utah, they're just, uh, yeah, we're crawling into this thing. I mean, you saw the reaction on social media, and I know social media is not real life, and it's not the opinions that you see on social media. When you get in front of these people in person, it would be a completely different world, but it's, oh, you know, these Big 12 venues are terrible, Utah fans are saying, and I'm thinking, they just don't want to be in the Big 12. I would have given BYU the home game and said, you know what? This is what you're going to be playing. We're going to give BYU, the, the team that's just so invested in being in this conference, we're going to give you the home game. Kind of like what Texas A&M said to the SEC. Okay, you're bringing in Texas. Well, give us the first home game, even though technically the next game in the series was supposed to go to Austin. The SEC said, we're going to send it to College Station. That's like the BYU-Utah rivalry. I yep. know technically the schedule said you're going to Salt Lake, BYU, but I would have loved it if the Big 12 said, hey, you're going to play this game in Provo because BYU is invested in this thing. Utah, we're invested in you, but please show that in return. Because which they have not this, to this point. They, they just haven't at all, which has been discouraging because I feel like they're going to realize, and you see it in this league every single week, the, the quality of play in the Big 12 is very good. I mean, every single week, myself and Alex Carey, we're hosting first and 12, 10 a.m. to noon on KSL News Radio in the KSL Sports Zone. And I'm blown away by the, just the competitive nature of this conference where you think you might know what's going to happen, and then it completely turns on its head in this league. And it's just entertaining, fun football in this conference. And then, oh, by the way, they got the best basketball league in America, too. So I, I am excited, though, to know who the opponents are in the future as BYU starts to piece together and really settle into this new iteration of the league moving forward. Nobody knows that better than West Virginia, right? They go down to Houston and lose. No one saw that coming. You felt like at that point in West Virginia's season, they had won three in a row. They had beaten Pitt, Tech, TCU. You felt like, okay, make that four. It's on the road against Houston, but they get the win. No, Houston surprised them a few weeks ago. So you're totally right. The Big 12 is really competitive from top to bottom. And if Utah had behaved themselves like Colorado did, I think I'd feel a little differently about this schedule next year with Utah having the first home game, but that's not been the case. Colorado was the first domino to fall joining the Big 12, and you just felt like they wanted to be there, and they were excited about returning and building upon what the Big 12 was trying to do. The other three schools, it just feels like, hey, thanks for pulling us out of the the wreckage in the middle of the ocean but there's not the gratitude there. It's just you hear it from Coach Whittingham all the time. Oh, the game against UCLA, is it going to be the last one? We have no idea. It's just it's, – Maybe I, they'll have a series against them. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But Arizona seems like they've been pretty excited. Yeah, because that's fair. They're, they're going to have basketball in the Big 12. But, yeah, Arizona State and Utah, it's pretty clear. They don't want to really wanna be, be in this league, and they want to move on. And, and that's it is what it is. But the Big 12, though, has the ability to be a really good league, and I think these schedules show – that, uh, you know, it's going to be top to bottom, competitive football every single week. And tonight's game, BYU-West Virginia, 
yeah, the prognosticators are saying West Virginia by two touchdowns, but don't be surprised if BYU makes this thing a little bit more competitive. And we know BYU is going to be shorthanded. Keen Slovis is going to be available on an emergency-only situation. You know, Paul Miley's questionable. He was questionable last week against, Tex- against Texas. Darius Lassiter's uh, banged up. I mean, BYU, Chase Roberts is questionable. There's a lot of guys that are banged up, but still – this conference produces wild, wacky results, and I, I expect nothing to change in the near future with this 16-team version of the league when the four corner schools join. Here's another interesting cut from Mountaineer head coach Neil Brown. This is what he said about BYU performing a little better than the other newcomers in their first season in the Big 12. Well, I think it's early. You know, I think the one thing is they were playing a really challenging schedule over the last couple of years when they when they went independent. You know, they were playing a ton of Power 5 schools. So I think that's helped in their transition. It's probably better for Kalani. You know, that's probably a better question for him. But I think it's hard to judge any of them to the end of the year. Do you think the previous schedules have helped BYU up to this point, Mitch? I think so. I feel like BYU has – it's helped in, in that regard. But I think one of the things that I always felt that was underrated and it showed itself at times is that you know, opponents would sometimes just kind of sleepwalk with BYU. Not that they should because we respect the BYU brand. We cover it firsthand. But it just felt like that happened far too often. But when you add a conference tie-in to, say, a West Virginia, this game just takes on greater significance from those players. There's a little more focus. I mean, Garrett Green's saying he's got the number 14 on his lock screen on his iPhone as motivation because they were picked preseason number 14 in the Big 12. So just whenever you add the conference tie-in, it adds a little more fuel to where teams aren't just you know, sleepwalking on a team like BYU and saying, why are we playing these guys in October? I feel like that's kind of added a level up to where these teams are tougher than uh, you know, maybe BYU fans expected coming in. I agree. 100%. Here's one more commentary, this time from Kalani Satake, talking about the challenge that this West Virginia defense is going to face against first-time starting quarterback Jake Retzlaff. They're playing some really good football, watching them on film. They take advantage of, of assignment sound football. They're tough and they're gritty, and I think it's going to be a good matchup for us. I'm looking forward to getting the best out of our guys against them because you can see it on film. I think I say that every week, but the Big 12 Conference, is not, there's not a lot of weaknesses out there. It's going to be a challenge, but we'll see what Jake Retzlaff can do, Mitch. It's, it's, it's a new dynamic. How much do you think he'll be a factor in the run game? I think he'll get about seven to eight carries. Uh, you know, how many of them will be designed? I think he'll have a, a few of those designed for him. I don't think Roderick will be too aggressive on the design runs because they got to keep him healthy. You don't want to run the risk of having to turn to a banged-up Slovis at whatever percentage he's at or Kate Finnegan. I, don't, I think there's a big drop-off from Retzlaff to Finnegan. Even though I like what Finnegan's provided in spring ball, I just think that they, they clearly, the coaching staff feels like there's a pretty big drop-off. So uh, I feel like there won't be too many design runs, but I just feel like Retzlaff's instincts, he will make something happen. So I think he gets around seven or eight carries. What about you? Yeah, I, I think so. You, you want to see maybe three or four designed carries just to keep the defense on us. There was success late in that Texas game. The game was over. But when Slovis pulled it and had a 20-yard run against the Longhorns, that it felt like that element was missing from from the offense. So if he can do that three or four times, pick up five, ten yards, stay healthy, get out of bounds, great. But the thing that makes Retzlaff so special, 
and this is what has made him so interesting from what we saw in spring football. Remind you, he's not taking any ones, right? He's working with the second teamer in spring football, and it felt like on a few occasions when we were there watching as media members, Mitch, a play breaks down, he gets out of the pocket and makes something happen with his legs in the pass game and with the run game, so... That ability after the initial read is not there, I think, is a, a big-time strength of Jake Retzlaff. Let's take a break. On the other side, we'll get to a Big 12 conference check-in. Kansas State making this a little more of a game than we thought they would would earlier in the game. And we'll get a scoreboard update on the Big 12 and more breakdown of BYU, West Virginia. Isaac Rex coming up at the top of the hour as well. It's the extended pregame here on KSL News Radio. BYU. West Virginia in the gun, the hand clap, the snap, the short drop, the sprint out to the right. Keaton throws and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown. Special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Wild game, as you heard on that scoreboard update from Jason Jones. Texas, Kansas State. Well, let's let's break this thing down in our conference check-in. Conference check-in, powered by Central Bank. Everything happening in the Big 12 this week. Kansas State, did they just miss a PAT? No. They, oh, they, my good. Did they miss it? I believe they – did they miss that thing? They did. They missed the PAT. Wow. Kansas State just <laughs> scored what looked to be the go-ahead touchdown. They took over from Texas' 32-yard Texas line, capitalized one play later after that fumble by Texas – had a touchdown strike, 32 yards, and then they just missed the PAT. So, so hold on. Ball. It's a little more complex than that. They made the initial PAT, but then there was a penalty, so they pushed mm. it back, redid it, bobbled the snap, couldn't get the kickoff. So, yes, it's tied at 27. But, man, it is getting crazy in Austin. 12:37 left in the fourth quarter from the 40 Acres, K-State, Texas, a two-ranked teams in the college football playoff rankings, Kansas State number 23, Texas number seven, whoever wins this game probably has the inside track to get to Arlington at the Big 12 championship game. Conference check-in sponsored by Central Bank. There was a game that already concluded on Thursday night. Texas Tech, the team BYU beat a couple weeks ago in Provo in the infamous spit gate. (laughs) They took down Josh Hoover, the mighty Josh Hoovers of TCU, Matt. Josh Hoover has not looked good since he carved up (laughs) BYU. And I'll tell you what, that Tech team, BYU is lucky they didn't face Baron Morton. They're just a totally different yeah. team with Baron Morton at quarterback. He's back. He led them over Texas Tech or over TCU, I should say. Gosh, there's so many Texas names in the conference right now. You can uh, stumble over one of them easily. But yeah, that that Texas Tech team, BYU got lucky when they came into town. They caught him at the right time. Coming up in about 35 minutes, it's Bedlam, the final edition. Number nine, Oklahoma at number 22, Oklahoma State. That'll be on ABC. How do you see that one playing out? Because Oklahoma State has been on a tear with Ollie Gordon at running back. I like Oklahoma State, baby. Oh. I just I just feel like the home game, there's going to be a lot of energy there. They can run the football. Give me Boone, Pickens, and the Cowboys. <laughs> I would like to see Oklahoma State, but I'm going to go with the Sooners because that's just what always happens in this series. You look over the history of that that Bedlam series, Oklahoma State's only won 19 times. They've played 100, over 100 times. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Other games around the league, Houston at Baylor, 1.30 p.m. They haven't met, even though they're in-state foes. 
They haven't met since 1995 when they were in the Southwest Conference. That'll be on ESPN+. Then UCF at Cincinnati, two Big 12 newcomers squaring off at 130 as well. Someone's getting their first Big 12 win. Both of them are 0-5. Uh, that, that one, to me, not as interesting as the Baylor-Houston one. Then a little later tonight, Kansas on the road at Iowa mm. State. I, we're going to learn a lot in this game. One, how good is Kansas? Like, if they go on the road, beat Iowa State, then they're pretty dang good, and they're still in the thick of it. And if Iowa State gets to win, they go to 6-3, and three, and then you're thinking, dang, there's a really good Iowa State team coming to Provo next week. That would be huge to see if Iowa State somehow gets this win. I'm going to go with Kansas, though. I, I think Kansas is for real. They've silenced my doubt that I had in them. Uh, that win they had last week at Oklahoma with Jason Bean as the backup quarterback. He's been outstanding. I mean, Jalen Daniels, there's been questions about his back. He hasn't played since that BYU game. And you've wondered, is he just kind of nursing it? Is he waiting to go into the portal? Whatever it is, Jason Bean, who came back and avoided the portal, he bided his time, accepted being the number two, and it's worked out as Kansas will take on Iowa State. They're number 21 nationally, 6-2 six, six and two overall this season. And then, of course, the game that all of you care about, BYU at West Virginia, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on FS, or, excuse me, Fox and KSL News Radio. We got to take a break, though. Coming to you from Morgantown, West Virginia, BYU West Virginia extended pregame coverage rolls on. After the break, you'll hear from BYU tight end and captain Isaac Rex. It's our weekly chat with BYU star player Isaac Rex coming up next here on extended pregame from Morgantown, right here on KSL News Radio. Cougars aren't in West Virginia today. Hunting possum. This Big 12 football, brother. It's so good, man. I, I love it. This BYU football team needs one more win to extend its first year in the Big 12 into bowl season. The 30, the 20, the 10, the touchdown! And the Cougars are right back in it. The Mountaineers are beating expectations this year, and they're looking for win number six, just like BYU. We've been in a lot of third and long situations, so we're trying to do a, a better job to get in those third and short, third and medium situations so that we can have manageable drives. You're listening to KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU, West Virginia. Our hosts are Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into extended pregame coverage. BYU versus West Virginia here on KSL News Radio, coming to you from Morgantown. First time BYU's ever been in Morgantown. And joining us is tight end Isaac Rex. He does that every single week here on KSL News Radio, and it's sponsored by Economic Partners and Inside Cougar Football. Inside Cougar Football. Rex makes the catch 10 5 touchdown. Inside Cougar Football with Isaac Rex, sponsored by Economics Partners on Cougar Sports Saturday. Isaac, you know, it's been an interesting week. You know, last week you guys had a tough setback against Texas, top 10 team. I'm sure there was a feeling coming out of that game that there were some opportunities left that I'll not field in Austin. Yeah, definitely. We're upset with how we played. I'm upset with how I played personally. I mean, Texas is obviously a super good team. I mean, seventh in the nation. They have all the athletes. You know, they're fast, big. They're a great team. I give them credit, but we didn't play at our best. I feel like I didn't play at, at my best. And, you know, that's what it takes to beat a top 10 team. You got to play at your best. You know, that didn't happen on Saturday. It, it's frustrating. It, it sucks. But in this conference, you cannot 
dwell on any losses. Aaron Roderick said that defensive line is maybe the best he's ever coached against. You had to block that defensive line. What what was it like going up against those big guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, though, those dudes were big and they were fast. I mean, it was <laughs> it's Texas, you know, and Sark has obviously done a great job recruiting. Yeah, I mean, their linebackers were fast. They're they're flying around and you could tell they were getting pressure on on Keaton, so we had to do a little bit more seven-man pro pass protection. To the tight ends had to stay in a little bit to help out with that pass rush because it's so dominant and good. So those guys are studs. So they're hard to block, but we could definitely do better, and it was a good game to learn from. Isaac, have these recent struggles maybe been a byproduct of you know just the the weekend week out grind of a power five schedule do you feel like that's having a toll on the team what do you kind of feel is maybe at the core i mean there's so many different factors that go into to struggles but do you think that plays a part in it just the 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 weekly grind of what you guys are facing every week yeah for me personally i mean i've i've been in the independent schedule for these past 3 years and this fourth year you know in an independent schedule you you play two pretty legit teams and then and maybe have you know a game where you can not really coast but it's you know not as intense you know you're not playing a power 5 team and then you'll play another you know two tough opponents and then maybe two games that aren't as tough you know it's like the independent schedule is all over the place and you're traveling to different spots but this big 12 schedule you could see it with UCF Cincinnati us in Houston. Houston, I think, has gone one win in the Big 12. Cincinnati hasn't. UCF hasn't. This conference is definitely, you got to be on your A game every single week. There's no time off to sulk or, or be happy. You know, we get a, a great win against Texas Tech and then we go right into Texas. You know, it's like, and then you got West Virginia and then you got Iowa State. These games, they just keep going and they are competitive each week and if you're not on your a game you know you'll get beat like what happened saturday where does dkr texas memorial stadium rank on all the places you've played because you've played at some awesome places i know we've discussed this before but i'm just curious now that you've played there where it stacks up against other places you've played that was an awesome stadium it was the biggest stadium i think i've played in it wasn't you know it wasn't as loud as maybe i expected there were some other stadiums i would say were louder just maybe because byu Texas maybe Texas didn't fans didn't respect us as much and I don't know but I mean it was definitely a spectacle the fans were actually very respectful which is cool about but you know I played in some really awesome stadiums I would say that was top five for sure I mean it was the only problem was it was it was hot and the turf like burnt your feet (laughs) it's like crazy (laughs) I mean that turf was was blazing hot and so going from like kind of cool Utah to blazing hot turf was something different. So that was a very cool stadium to play in. And, you know, I wish we put up a better performance. So. That field turf was scorching hot. Uh, you know, Matt and I were down there in pregame and, you know, field turf's always going to be a little bit, you know, hotter than natural grass. But that thing was scorching. Did you guys ever maybe hear a, a, a temperature as to what you guys were playing through? I, I know it, it seemed like, you know, was there any case of, not for you personally, but guys dealing with dehydration. Cause I mean, that thing was just hot. I mean, I was sweating, just standing. You guys are probably going through <laughs> drills and got all the pads on. I, I don't know the temperature, but it was definitely the hottest game we played this mm. year. I'm trying to think, you know, most of our games, Kansas was more humid, Yeah, but luckily it had overcast pretty much the whole time. Cause there was rain and TCU, it was a, a grass field. So it wasn't too hot, but 
yeah, that was a that was definitely a hot stadium. Isaac, I got to ask you about third down. I just want to get your thoughts here about against Texas. Kind of a tough afternoon in that category. Two of thirteen. Felt like you guys were in third and long a lot. How do you feel like this offense can turn turn things around on third down? Yeah, I feel like for us, I mean, we got to every yard is important in this conference and with the teams we're playing. So, you know, we got to take advantage of first and second down to help us out in third down. It's frustrating when you have a third and nine or a third and long because, you know, those are, those are tough to execute and and complete, you know, and luckily we were, we were pretty good on fourth down a couple of times in the game. I think we're two for two, but yeah, we got to do better on our first and second downs to set us up for more successful third downs. And if we have to go for it on fourth down, you know, that's an extra down for us. So it's frustrating as offense, but us as players, we've got to execute our plays better, find ways to get those tough sledding yards early on. So it could set us up for an easier third down. Let's take a timeout. On the other side, we'll we'll put to rest the Texas game and now look ahead to today's game. BYU and West Virginia with Isaac Rex here on KSL News Radio. BYU, West Virginia. He came down with it. Special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back in to extended pregame coverage, getting you ready for the Mountaineers and the Cougars. And at this time, I mean, the time does change depending on kickoff. Let's be real with the listeners. But we will talk with Isaac Rex. And uh, we broke down the Texas game in the last segment. Now let's look ahead to West Virginia, Isaac. Maybe just one quick question before we break down the opponent and get into the game. You guys traveled earlier to West Virginia. What was behind the change? And and also maybe somewhat related to that, how do you pass the time on such a long flight? Like, are you watching film? You taking a nap? Like, what's the typical protocol for you on a long plane ride? Ever since I've been here, whenever we go two time zones away on the East Coast, we always go two days earlier just so we could get adjusted. I mean, we landed at 830 here in West Virginia. So, I mean, that would be tough, you know, if we had to wake up on a Saturday after a Friday flight, get after after such a long turnaround. So it's nice that we get two nights here and it helps us kind of just acclimate. And then, yeah, flights, I mean, you know, I'll watch some film, watch a movie. I watched the Super Mario movie on- Excellent movie. here. Yeah, it actually was pretty, it was pretty funny. And I thought it, it got bad Rotten Tomatoes scores, which makes me even trust less in Rotten Tomato and how meaning you know those those scores are meaningful but the critics don't know what they're talking about in most cases with movies and I think I put too much emphasis on Rotten Tomatoes we've got a resident you know movie expert Matt's Matt's the movie expert here Matt what do you say is is Rotten Tomatoes trustworthy or not do they do they cater to the general public I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes at all I I don't like the (laughs) critic score I don't like the Audience score. Yeah, you know, IMDB's rating system, I think, is a little better. Okay. Personally mm-hmm. speaking, you can look at some of the user reviews there. So I haven't looked at Rotten Tomatoes in years. I just I have put that thing in the garbage can. Respect to you for not following the crowd. <laughs> um, me and my wife, I think we always look up a movie, and then if it has bad Rotten Tomatoes, we're like, oh, we can't watch it. But I'm sure we're missing out on good experiences with other movies. Just you are, you are. You know, I we, think we only care too much about what the score says, which is. <laughs> Well, I, Isaac, is is this offense today against West Virginia? Can we say it's going to be certified fresh? <laughs> yes, it will be certified fresh. 
<laughs> How are you feeling though about this game, this matchup with West Virginia? Just the the feel of you know going to time zone, but also a matchup against a new team, new program that that you haven't seen in your time here at BYU. Just the challenges they pose. Yeah, West Virginia, they're a really good team, really experienced. They've won a good amount of games in this conference. I know they they beat TCU, they beat Texas Tech, they've beat a couple other teams. So I mean, they've they've been playing good football, but. Yeah, West Virginia, they're they're definitely legit, but they're also, you know, preseason rankings. Um, they were kind of expected to be lower in the pack, and they've exceeded expectations this year, and they've been playing super well, and their defense is – they're stout. They play really assignment-sound football. They're experienced too, so, you know, we have to come ready to play just like every week. Is there anything that's jumped out on film that, that makes you feel like, hey, if we can do this or that, maybe we can have some more success offensively? Yeah, I feel like we got to be more consistent, sustain drives, make sure we're putting ourselves in good positions for those third downs like we talked about earlier, just all of the above. I think we're going to execute better this week than than last week. If things don't go our way early on, we can't hang our heads. We got to keep going. We got to be resilient. This conference has a lot of good teams in it, and so this week's going to be, you know, another grind and it's going to be tough sledding, but we're going to, you know, come out there and we got to just execute to the best of our abilities and not worry about anyone else. What gives you confidence, Isaac, that this team is resilient? I would say, you know, we all care just about BYU in general. We care about this school, our fans. We want to put a good product on the field for ourselves. We're competitive, you know, we don't want to lose. Um, so every time we lose, I, you know, I get so frustrated and at myself, you know, what I could have done better that game. And so, you know, that feeling of losing is way worse than the feeling of winning. So obviously you want to go out and just play your best because you love the sport and that's how we all feel. It's a very, it's a team that loves football and loves this university, loves their coaches. So we're, we're going to give it our all every game. Without getting into game plan details, is it simply just an execution thing? to having a better offensive output or there may be some opportunities to do a few things different that might catch uh, West Virginia off guard. I feel like for us, yeah, it's the players, it's all about execution. You know, we call our plays, but every play that, you know, gets called, we have to make sure we give it our all in every play. And so for players, it's it's execution to the fullest. And, you know, I'm sure A-Rod's got some you know, tricks up his sleeves for this game. And, you know, he's been calling good games and he's he's been, you know, good this year for us. And he's been a great offense coordinator throughout his whole career. So I'm sure, yeah, there's going to be some things that we'll do different against West Virginia this week. But it's all about execution as a player and just making sure every play that you're doing, you do your assignment, you're working hard, you're playing hard, and that's all you can do as a player. What do you feel is the strength of West Virginia's defense that you kind of see on film? It seemed like with other teams in this league, they're maybe a long athleticism, maybe some big size in the trenches. It's kind of what's maybe the, the characteristics of this West Virginia team that stood out to you in preparation for them on defense? Yeah, I mean, they're very assignment sound. They're not too complicated. They do their job super well. They won't get out of position. They tackle well. They're fast. Yeah, so they're a good defense, and they held some teams to some low scores this year. So, yeah, we need to come out and execute, play our game, and see what the result gives us. How different is it as a player this time of year, being in the Big 12, where, yeah, the record's not where you guys want it to be but there's still big games ahead 
still a lot to play for that was not the case in the independent era like there were some good games in november don't get me wrong but there was a lot of not as interesting games as what we have against west virginia to just feel like man this is awesome as a player being in the big 12 still having so many big games ahead no yeah it's super awesome and we have a, a lot to play for obviously we want to be bowl eligible that's like a huge thing for us and you know we can still have a great november and enjoy the rest of our season make it to a a great bowl game i mean a lot of people didn't think we'd be very good this year so i think the the over under was or like three and a half or something wins for us maybe this year it was like four i mean vegas didn't think we'd be very good you know they they didn't think we'd get many big 12 wins we've been underdogs in every single game since arkansas so yeah i mean it's that's how it is um, not a lot of people respect us, and I I know that you know there's some games that we've fumbled, but there's some games that we've won. So this has been a year for BYU as as underdogs, and we want to keep proving people wrong and, and teams wrong, and show that we belong in the Big Twelve. So yeah, there's a ton of things that we could play for, and you know we're still really excited to go out and play every week. Isaac, best of luck against West Virginia. I know it's always uh appreciate when you hop on and we chat with you every week. I know it can be tough in these spots where maybe it didn't go right completely a week ago, but uh, another opportunity for a new game, another performance tonight. So best of luck and uh, looking forward to chat next week. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank you. That's Isaac Rex here on KSL News Radio. More after this day. And BYU's road to a bowl game. Run through the hills of West Virginia today. Touchdown Cougars! Isaac Rex! Is facing the musket of a Mountaineer team that's also looking for its sixth win. People want a quick fix and they want an answer, and that's just not how football works. I still think that they can get themselves to bowl eligibility. This is KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU, West Virginia. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into extended pregame coverage. BYU West Virginia here on KSL News Radio. Kickoff tonight at 5 p.m. And now it's time to go behind enemy lines. And it's brought to you by Economic Partners. And let's get to know these West Virginia Mountaineers. Only one time in BYU's history previously have the Cougars faced the Mountaineers. That was in 2016, year one with Kalani Satake. And the guy that's been covering the West Virginia Mountaineers then and, and years before that, Keenan Cummings, he knows all things about West Virginia. He's the managing editor at WVSports.com, part of the Rivals Network. Keenan, I've followed you for years, dating back to those days in 2016. It's good to be uh, in the same conference with you and talking some Big 12 BYU West Virginia matchups. Yeah, how about that? Met in a non-conference matchup, at least met digitally, and uh, now here we are talking about a classic Big 12 matchup between West Virginia and BYU. And it's two teams that got a chance to go to the bowl season, or at least punch their ticket to a bowl season coming up here tonight. And, you know, West Virginia's 5-3. and three. They were, They're were 3-2 and two in Big 12 play. Has this season surprised those like you who cover the team extensively and the fan base at West Virginia? I think that's a loaded question, depending on who you ask. Um I thought that West Virginia, you know, I've said this a bunch. I've asked, I've been asked this question a bunch, you know, over the course of the year. How was West Virginia picked 14th? You know, why was West Virginia picked 14th? Have they exceeded expectations? Guys, I, from my perspective, at least, it's hard enough to keep up with your own rosters nowadays with all the movement in and out, all the transferring, all, all the attrition. Forget learning 13 other teams in the league. 
I think a lot of people just looked at what was returning, said, all right, West Virginia doesn't got a lot. They're last. And I have been pretty much dead set on this. You can go back, read my stuff since January, February. You know, even when the poll came out in July, I've, I've pretty much said that I thought West Virginia was probably a six-win team, you know, to coming into the year. And right now, I would say that they've exceeded my expectations. The fan base is a little bit, they expect more. You know, this is a, a proud group. West Virginia is used to winning, uh, not of late as much, which is therein lies the rub. But, what, what you know, they're used to winning. They want to win. You know, a lot of people said, you know, we expect eight games. You, know, you got to win eight games coming to the year. I think that's a little bit unrealistic, even if you are picked last, and it might not be the most accurate thing. But I think right now, West Virginia 5-3, and three, most fans would take that. The Houston game, the way that finished, losing to your former head coach, kind of put a little bit of a – you took the shimmer off a little bit of what's happened. But I think for the most part, West Virginia fans are feeling pretty good. Keenan, when you look at the stats between these teams, offensively specifically – one category just jumps off the page as being a huge disparity, and that's the ground attack for both teams. BYU has struggled to run the ball all year. West Virginia averaging over 200 yards a game. What has powered a really good Mountaineer rushing attack? Well, it helps when you got a really good offensive line, and not only a good one, an experienced one. You know, West Virginia entered this season with 132-some starts from their returning offensive line. They returned almost every guy from last year. And they lean on that group. You know, Zach Frazier's an All-American guy in the center. Uh, Wyatt Milam plays left tackle, is really developed, probably going to be an NFL draft pick. And their guards, you know, and the thing about this group that's really impressive is this has been a development project for West Virginia since Neil Brown got here. You know, I mentioned Dana Holgerson a little bit ago. He kind of left the cupboard bare a little bit. You know, there wasn't a lot up front. West Virginia, in Neil Brown's first season, rushed for 51 yards or less in uh, seven of the 12 games right now when they kind of switched their offense last year they're on an 11 game streak which leads the nation rushing for over 140 yards per game or, or over 140 yards a game so that's quite the transformation uh they've used a lot of different backs and as part of that development process you know they've had injuries you know west virginia's lost some of their guys why Milan missed the game uh you look at thomas remack their their guard he missed the game Doug Nestor might miss the game tonight. So they have guys, and they've just plugged guys in and plugged along. They've made it their focus, and the running backs have played well also. It's the bread and butter of this offense. They're as good as where their offensive line and where their run game will take them. What will the run game workload look like? I think even at the NFL level now, guys, the lead back's almost a prehistoric term at this point. You might be the first guy in there to get a carry, but outside of few situations, it's hard to find You know those guys that are going to carry the ball. 25, 30, you know, times a game anymore. It's really by committee. CJ Donaldson will be the lead guy, quote unquote, but they're going to mix guys in. I thought it was interesting. You know, they challenged CJ. He did really play poorly. He'd be the first person to tell you that over a stretch of games. Uh, he played excellent against Pitt. He's the reason, one of the big reasons West Virginia was able to win that game despite Garrett Green getting injured. And then kind of hit a funk, you know, was thinking too much, wasn't really just going out there and playing freely. They challenged him. They didn't start him against Central Florida. He took that personally. You know, he went out and had his best game in over a month and really ran like the C.J. Donaldson that West Virginia's come to expect. You know, his story is a little interesting if you guys didn't know. That's a former tight end. Had never played running back in his entire career until he got to college last year. West Virginia moved him there in the summer. Played for a couple games last year before he got hurt and did well and has carried that over. So 
you're going to see a mix, Jaheim White, maybe even some Justin Johnson sprinkled in. But CJ's the guy that they really depend on, especially to get tough yards late. Keenan, you mentioned the quarterback, Garrett Green. What should BOU fans know about him and how's he played so far this year? It almost sounds disrespectful to say kind of like a, a mini Taysom Hill, but he's a guy that can run around. Uh, he makes plays with his feet. He, he He's thro much, much improved throwing the football. You know, he's a guy that early in his career, you couldn't really trust him to do a lot of things when it comes to throwing the ball. He's really improved there and hitting plays down the field. We mentioned West Virginia's success with the run game. They use that run to set up the pass. You know, they're, they're one of the top teams in the country when it comes to yards per completion. You know, they're, they're not afraid to chuck it deep. You know, they'll draw guys in, throw it deep. They've got an interesting mix of receivers, but Green has been the engine of this offense. You know, for as good as the offensive line has been, you know, there were some times that this offense struggled when he was out. He got back in there, and he's playing at a different level now than he has at any point in his career. Uh, and the, the scary part, I guess, good part for West Virginia, scary part for opponents, is there still is a massive room for a leap here. Uh, he definitely can get a lot better as he continues. He still makes some mistakes, still takes some chances, but he's gotten a lot better at taking care of the football. And that was where West Virginia had to really kind of rein him in and, and stop him from beating himself, in a sense, earlier in his career. What's the identity of this West Virginia defense, in your opinion, Keenan? That's a good one. I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit. You know, it's it's tough. Hard-nosed, they play physical. It's really a, a weird season for this West Virginia defense. Started out playing excellent through the first couple of Big 12 games. I think they only allowed 40 points over a stretch. They played Pittsburgh, uh, Texas Tech, and TCU, which that's when TCU was healthy and was coming off some really big offensive games. And then really, really struggled at Houston. Kind of slept walk through the game. By far, West Virginia's worst game of the season. And then Played well again, responded against Oklahoma State, was a physical group, and then just imploded in the fourth quarter. I have never seen a game like that, and I've covered football for a while, where a team just was able to relatively keep a team in check and then gave up 28 points and 160-some yards to uh, Ollie Gordon in the fourth quarter. So, you know, they want to be physical. That They've tackled better. Neil spent the entire offseason trying to preach, you know, four pillars. He wanted this team to be tougher. They wanted to be smarter, you know, not beat themselves. Kind of in a way, guys, you're familiar with this. Take the BYU model. You know, they, they don't do a lot of mistakes. You know, they're, they're not trying to beat themselves. And that's been the biggest problem in Neil Brown's five years. So the, the defense is playing above expectations, I would say, because coming into this year, they were off a really bad year last year. Uh, and they had a lot of new faces. But it's a group that's responded and – uh They've played especially well at home. You know, it's a group, other than that fourth quarter against Oklahoma State, which, again, I can't explain, they've been very, very, very good at home. You bring up Neil Brown. His name was on everyone's preseason hot seat list coming into the year. If he gets this sixth win, whether it's tonight or one of these games down the stretch, is that going to be enough for Ren Baker, the AD, to say contract extension, lock him in, and, and he's the guy moving forward in this new Big 12 era? I'm not going to quite say contract extension, but I think it would – I think six to seven wins is what I thought coming into the year would be safe. The way this unfolded was strange, though. You know, after starting four and one, everyone's like, all right, well, you don't have to worry about this situation anymore. And then you lose two in a, in a row the way West Virginia lost them. And then you go down to UCF and just beat them up in their own stadium. So you come back home and it's kind of another one of those games. These are two teams that are similar and West Virginia fans are expecting a win. Now, again, expectations are different when you're speaking administration and fan base. 
but I think you get the seven wins, including Neil's buyout. I think even if he he would win this game and maybe lose out, I think it would be tough just considering the financial ramifications. Keenan, for fans going to this game, what can they expect from an environment atmosphere perspective? And also related to that, what's maybe one or two things that you would tell BOU fans they have to do when they're out there at West Virginia? Well, it's a beautiful time of the year here, guys, uh, in the fall. The trees are changing colors. It's very, very beautiful. If you've never been out to West Virginia this time of the year, so take in the scenery. I recommend you definitely do that. There's a lot of like local nature trails. There's Cooper's Rock. If you're outdoorsy type, I recommend hitting up some of the local establishments. Mario's Fish Bowl is a great one. Kegler's, you know, you got wings, uh, you got, you know, pretty much, you know, typical bar food, but it's all good. Uh, all, all you'll, you'll have people fighting over which ones they like the best you know, throughout town, but taking the scenery for sure. Morgantown at night is typically very special uh, when it comes to football games. It's it's earned its reputation over the years. Weather looks like it's going to hold up, so we'll, we'll see how it goes by the time kickoff comes. I think it's going to be exciting. You know, fans will be able to take it in. It's definitely a, a, an eclectic mix of fan bases, West Virginia's and BYU's, but I think it'll be good-spirited uh, and fun for the fans to make it out because I do expect BYU to have quite a bit of people here. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's just the new Big 12. It's an eclectic taste of teams. It all comes together for a pretty good football league as well. He's Keenan Cummings, managing editor. You can check out his bylines at WVSports.com, part of the Rivals Network, and follow him on X at Rivals. Keenan, always appreciate the time, Keenan, and uh, – Looking forward to maybe doing this down the road in basketball season and years to come. Yeah, we better get used to it. We really will have a lot of BYU-West Virginia to talk about here in the future. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's Keenan Cummings here on Extended Pregame here on KSL News Radio. BYU, West Virginia. In the gun, the hand clap, the snap, the short drop, the sprint out to the right. Keenan throws, and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown. Special Extended Pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Getting ready for BYU and West Virginia here on KSL News Radio. Joined now by BYU kicker Will Farron. And Will, how's your first year at BYU been treating you thus far? It's been awesome. It's been super great. Loved every second of it. So, yeah. What brought you to BYU from Boise State? It's opportunity, opportunity to come in and compete. Growing up, I was a big BYU fan. So, being able to come to school here and be a student-athlete here and be a kicker is something I've dreamed of for a long time. So being able to actually do that's been been the thing that pulled me. So that'd how, be it. how far back did the, the memories of, of BYU go back for you? Pretty far. I, in fact, I think my first memory with football, my family's really not that big of a football family, but I always was for some reason. But my dad was a big BYU fan. So I remember him just like explaining the positions on the offensive line and all the different things while we're watching BYU games. So that's probably it's probably as early as goes. I was probably five or six years old. And how fun has it been now to play here at BYU and play such a significant role on special teams being the starting kicker? Yeah, it's been great. It's been one of those things where it's surreal. Like you're playing in these big stadiums, you're playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I remember watching games there when I was little. And it all feels like this big moment, but at the same time, it feels like every day when I go kick in the backyard or when I'm kicking at the high school, it, it's all kind of the same. So sometimes i got to make myself step back and just be able to appreciate all that. You bring up the, the big stadiums, the nerves. I mean, how have you – what is it that, that you've done to be so successful? Eight out of ten on your kicks this year. Just take us through how what, what causes your success when you're attempting a field goal. Yeah, I think – 
It's really important to have the technique. All summer, all off season is spent on just developing my swing, making it something I can repeat every time. But then on top of that, kicking is a very mental position, as everyone can assume. And this off season especially, I worked a lot with mental performance coaches in visualization and meditation and all of that, being able to not be judgmental of thoughts that I have or not be judgmental or critique the way that I'm thinking, but just to be able to, in the moment, go out and execute. So I like to think any situation, I can be warm or not warm. If someone tells me to kick a ball, I can put a ball through the upright. You bring up the mental performance coaches. Were, were they the ones here on staff? And if so, who were they? Yeah, so it's they work through Impelis, um, Braden and Matt, Matt Moore and Braden uh, Braden Brown. Braden Brown, that's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they've been great. So they've been working with us ever since they came in. You still talk with them and to kind of stay locked in in the zone? Yeah, I talk with them at least every week. So with either one of them, sometimes Matt, sometimes Braden. Um, Braden's usually at our practices, so a little bit uh, like in the building and a little bit of practice. It's been fun to see your growth and comfort level grow in this team because in spring ball in the offseason, a lot of people on the outside, folks like in the media, were saying, how's the kicker situation going to shake out? And you just kind of taken that position and owned and made it, your, made it yours. Yeah. I mean, with kicking, it's one of those things where making a kick in the summer, it's all preparation. It's all preparation for that moment when we need a field goal against TCU or we need a field goal against West Virginia. And that whole process is just getting better and getting better and getting better. Um, people look at kicking as just like the raw stats of it. And in the fall, that's that's true, and that's the case. But in the off season, I really just took the mindset of I need to be more prepared to kick in the fall right now, and I need to just take that step. I was coming back from injury last season, and I was coming into a new school with new people around me, and just making sure I was developing every day so I could be more prepared to execute when when my numbers called in the fall. How far does your range go? Uh, because been if I'm not mistaken, 45 and in, you've been pretty close to automatic. How how far does your range go? So it, it varies on situation to situation. Colder weather, the ball won't fly as far. Some days it goes, some days it doesn't. I like to think that I can be automatic inside 55 yards, and if needed, I can make kicks up to 63 to 65, depending on the situation. So, Have you hit that far in, in, in practice at all at any point this season? They, uh, off and on. They'll, lately they've been really working the closer kicks. With kicking, it's, every kick's the same. So whether we're on the hash or whether we're in the middle or deep or close, a PAT should be the same as my 60-yard kick. So where we are in the field, it kind of varies, and sometimes they don't let us go as far, and sometimes they do, but they've, it's, it's all the same. So we've been back pretty deep, but I don't know the specifics on it. When you came to BYU, obviously Kelly Pinga, special teams coordinator, he worked at Boise. Did you Was that the connection that brought you here ultimately? So I was pretty close with him up in Boise. He was a co-special teams coordinator. He was more over our punt team and some of the return teams. So he didn't work directly with me with kickoff or field goal, but I had a relationship with him up there. But it was actually more probably Gavin Fowler and the connection I had with him. And then when Coach Papinga came down, and I, I knew he was coming to BYU when they first started talking to me, but I didn't know what role he was going to be in. So he was... A big part in bringing me down here, but I, I wouldn't say that he was the, the main thing. So 
yeah, but him coming down here was definitely a, a good, good piece for me. Final month of the season here, Will. You know, how does this team feel this week, getting ready for West Virginia? Do you feel like this team is positioned to finish the year strong? Yeah, I think we feel good. Everyone on the team has seen that we're really strong in every position. You can see how much talent we have in practice. Amazing plays are happening. We're just like stringing together great things and being able to execute that in the game is, is the big piece. So. I guess I can't really speak for the offense or defense. I watch them a lot, and I've seen them look amazing. So having that for a full game, and then on special teams, our goal is just to execute every time our number's called. So hopefully we can get lots of opportunities and put a lot of points on the board. Well, best of luck, Will. It's been fun to, to watch you this season and continue the, the success going forward this final month. I appreciate it. Thank you. The Cougars aren't in West Virginia today. Hunting possum. This is Big 12 football, brother. It's so good, man. I, I love it. This BYU football team needs one more win to extend its first year in the Big 12 into bowl season. The 30, the 20, the 10, the touchdown! And the Cougars are right back in it. The Mountaineers are beating expectations this year, and they're looking for win number six, just like BYU. We've been in a lot of third and long situations, so we're trying to do a, a better job to get in those third and short, third and medium situations so that we can have manageable drives. You're listening to KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU, West Virginia. Our hosts are Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into extended pregame coverage. I catch up with BYU football captain and star defensive end Tyler Batty. Tyler will unpack the Texas loss and look ahead to that West Virginia game coming up. How's the team doing coming after that loss in Austin last week? Yeah, tough loss, man. I would say the team's doing good. I think as good as we can be coming off that. Of course, we had pretty high hopes for ourselves going into that game. And we left a lot on the table during that game, to be honest. And so... I think there's a lot of stuff we look back and, and it's like, well, we shouldn't allow a touchdown here, you know, should have made a play here. And it's one of those games you really wish you had a second shot at. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way in college football. Was it one of those games where you feel like progress was made, but it was hard to enjoy that because the final score and how it ultimately ended up playing out? Yeah, I, I mean... I felt def- like it was a good day for the defense. It did feel like that until the tail end there. Yeah, and I think, and again, it could have been a lot closer. You know, in, in my mind, I, I think realistically, I think we could have held them to just that punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're I, th- I think I think we're a handful of plays away from that happening, right? I mean, I think I think five really. I think we're five plays away from it being a seven six game and giving our offense the ball back. And and so you know, I think as a defense, that's where we got to be. I think. You know, we just got to be able to come up clutch in those moments. And again, like you said, I think there was progress. I just wish there was a little bit more. We all wish there was a little bit more results, you know, from that progress in that game. You got to hit on Malik Murphy in that first quarter. uh, But, you know, he was able to complete the pass. How are the battles in the trenches up against Texas, who's considered one of the better offensive lines in college football? Yeah, they're good. Good, talented guys. I would say good group of guys. I, I enjoyed playing against them toughest Um, offensive line you faced this year or would you say someone else you know that's a that's a that's a funky question (laughs) it's a multifaceted question is what it is loaded yeah exactly they're a really good offensive line yeah absolutely no no doubt about that you know I think the most aggressive 
offensive line we've seen, this is my personal opinion, was SUU. Interesting. They, again, we're just, aggre- like, overall aggression. Yeah. You know? I, I you know, I'd, I think I'd, you know, hats off to them on that one. Um, again, am I saying we played the best against them or, or, you know, the worst against them? No, absolutely not. I'm not saying anything of the sort. I just think talented-wise, I think the Big 12 has really consistent talent across the board. I think there's a lot of good offensive lines, and this Texas O-line was no exception. Yeah, Texas had a lot of talent, but I, I do remember that SUU game. That was one where they were they were energetic and they Just were hyped very up for that. Chippy, yeah. It's 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 like when we play Utah State or you know yes. something like that. It's just one of those games, you know, that gets gets a little heated. So and it got a little heated to it, I'm sure, at times in the uh, Texas game. Was there any extracurriculars at all with this game? Because it got chippy with Texas Tech and nothing like that with Texas. No, no they're a really really classy squad. Um, again, really really good squad. I talked, you know, some of their alignment after the game. Really enjoyed, yeah, uh, playing against them, talking with them. It was a lot of fun. I think there was some. I heard a little bit of some banter, I think, in the secondary, you know, or yeah. there was some, you know, maybe a little drama there. But, yeah, no, I, yeah, nothing nothing up front. What was the message from Jay Hill coming out of this game? Again, it was just the same thing. It was just like, hey, yes, we did some good stuff. Hey, we got to be better. At the, at the end of the day, we just got to execute. We have a lot of really good players. We have a good defensive culture, I would say. Overall, I think we're doing some really good things. We've just got to be better. Mm. <laughs> flat flat yeah. out, right? Flat out, we just got to be better. And and it's not that we're not capable of it. And, you know, that may sound that may sound reoccurring, you know. It's, maybe that's been said throughout the season. But it's just, okay, we're learning, we're progressing. I think it, individually, at every single position, we are seeing a higher level of play every single week out of our guys. Yeah. Which that's what you want, right? Yep. But we all know that we need to be able to take over a game. At the end of the day, you know, we got to be able to go out there. And that's and that's your aspiration. I mean, that's as a defensive player, that's what you want to be able to do. You want to be able to go out there with your defense and say, This is our game. <laughs> yeah. This is our game. And it doesn't matter what happens. We're going to shut this offense down. We're going to make them hurt. We're going to get turnovers. That's that's your dream, right? I just I get excited just thinking about that. And that's the type of defense that we want to play. And that's the defense the guys are buying into. And so, yes, we are progressing, but again, everyone's hungry for that defense. Heading into the final third of the season, Tyler, what do you feel is the identity of this defense going into the final month? I would, I would say, you know, tough, physical, playmaking, Again, we did some really, we've done some really good stuff this season, right? We've caused a lot of turnovers, fumbles, picks, you know, all over the place, big fourth down stops, you know, backed up, whatever it is. This defense has played really well. And you can tell this defense does not quit. You know, I hope everybody knows that, you know what I mean? Because that's, if they haven't figured it out now, they will. Well, and I think if they didn't realize it last week, they saw it in those two fourth and gold stands. Jacob Robinson comes up with a stop, Jackson Cravens with another one. Maybe speak to those two plays, kind of what the mindset was going into those fourth and goal situations, and then you guys coming up with the stops. Our guys are really good at almost taking the context out of it. It's just... Mm we're out there on the field, we're going to do our job and we're going to ball out, you know, I mean? we're going to do everything that we can to win that snap. I think our team's really good at that. I think our defense has done a really good job at 
that next play mentality is just like, no matter what happens, whatever, we're out on the field. When we're out on the field, we're out there to play defense. In those situations, those fourth and whatever it is, yes, you know, sadly, we let them get into that situation, right? We're on our own goal line and it's fourth down and we don't want to be there, right? We'd much rather have gotten a three and out. But in those situations, guys aren't going to roll over and just be like, well, I guess you drove it this far. Here you go. Just like, no, we're going to we're gonna do everything we can to keep you out of the end zone. How's the morale of the team? I know you, I kinda, we kind of talked about it at, at the beginning, but just the, the feeling of the offense. And I know you're on the defensive side and you're entrenched in that, but just how are they doing this week? And, and do, they, do they feel, is there still a sense of confidence that this team can still finish strong because the struggles have been, been there for that group the past couple of weeks? I think our team culture is we're very process-driven, very process-focused, which is a really good thing because at the end of the day, again, we've had some really tough games, you know what I mean, and some really tough results and stuff that we did not expect nor want, but it hasn't hampered the team in that like, oh, wait, we're not good, or like, man, we're terrible. It's nothing to that effect. It's just, all right, we're going to stick to the process, and sooner or later, the result of that process will be what we want. Taking a quick timeout as extended pregame coverage rolls on, I'll place part two of our interview with Tyler Batty, BYU captain and defensive end, here on KSL News Radio. And today's coverage is powered by KSL Sports. BYU, West Virginia. In for six, touchdown Cougars! Special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte with you. Part two of my conversation with Tyler Batty. Right now, Tyler, what do you think about West Virginia and the challenge that the Mountaineers pose as a run-heavy attack on offense? I'm really excited for it. They're a good team. You know, as we've seen, I've watched, I would say I've probably watched the majority of their games on TV, you know, as we've been in a hotel. or I feel like they've played normally in windows where we're not playing. And so (laughs) I feel like I've been able to, again, watch the majority of their games live which has been awesome, and it's been great to see them play. They're a good team, and, and like you said, they have a really good running game. They have a really good running quarterback. He likes to get loose, and, and so I'm excited. I think our defense uh, has progressively gotten better versus the run over the season, and so really excited to, to face that challenge. Yeah, 81st nationally, but it does feel like you guys are trending up, so you feel like you guys are, are ready for that opportunity because Garrett Green at quarterback, C.J. Donaldson running back, I mean, they lean into it. I mean, they – they are a run first team, and that's kind of the the calling card of a lot of Big Twelve teams. They got good running backs, but you guys feel like you're kind of battle tested and ready for this moment. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, again, I think they're a great team, but um, I know everyone's really excited to to see how we stack up with them come Saturday. Not many mobile quarterbacks you guys have faced uh, off the top of my head. I mean, Jalen Daniels that was the last mm-hmm. game he's actually appeared in. Emory Jones, but outside of that. I mean, I'm not, I can't recall many. Yeah, we haven't seen, I would say, as, as many mobile quarterbacks as we normally have. But uh, but Virginia's quarterback is is very mobile, and he likes to he likes to take that ball. The challenges that come with facing a mobile quarterback that has no problem running, what, what comes with that? you got to account for him 24-7. And not only does he like to run it right, their, their scheme is based around that, right? And so there's, you know, design QB runs. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't give it to the running back. Um but when you not quite a triple option, right? But you've got to count for multiple runners, multiple ball carriers. You know, maybe there's it's an RPO, so you're also taking into account that there may be a pass set up off of, of a run action as well. Yeah, they, they do some different stuff. And so, you know, those are the challenges we face is just 
you gotta you gotta be doing your job. You know, you can't be caught lacking, or else you know you may pay. Kalani said, "Embrace the night." He's leaning in on this night thing. Yeah, I mean, why not? You guys are better at night. <laughs> I know. I you mean, I can't. Honestly, I can't. I I don't know if we are. I really like. Statistically speaking, yes, right. I, I know I know the stats. I'm aware of that. I think that uh, we've probably played more night games traditionally yeah. as an independent. Cause and I think the argument, too, is in the daytime, you're typically getting those maybe number seven ranked Texas. You're getting yeah. a, you, you, You're just getting a, a little bit, not to say that the 815 games are are low-profile games, but you're, you're getting a different level of opponent. But that afternoon window is always going to be maybe a perennial top 25 team. Yeah, yeah, I t- and I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. But it's another challenge to go up against another team, and I, I think, too, i, I got to ask, Tyler, how exciting is it to have November mean something? I know last year you guys rallied, and, and man, that win against Boise last year was awesome, and the 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 rallying efforts to not give up on the season and bounce back in November, it, it was something to remember to close out the Independence era. But to know November still still matters, and there's a lot more than just kind of pride and, and rallying the troops. It, it, there's still a conference race. There's still jockeying for whatever bowl games. I mean, there's still a lot on the line to, to yeah. be a spoiler too. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, again, I think there's a ton on the line for us. I also, again, I think this team is is really good at, again, just taking it game by game, right? Yeah. Like they've, I think all season they've been really focused on, hey, we're not focused on the rest of that. We're focused on this week. What can we do to win this week? And so with four games and a mentality like that, I think we can accomplish a lot. Best of luck on Saturday night at West Virginia, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Mountain time on KSL News Radio and FS1 for those watching, of course, on television. So best of luck, Tyler. We'll talk to you next week, and these weeks are just flying by, man. we got to slow down a little bit here. I agree. I agree. Best of luck. And that's BYU defensive end Tyler Batty right here on Extended Pregame. It's powered by KSL Sports. Country roads and BYU's road to a bowl game run through the hills of West Virginia today. Touchdown, Cougars! Isaac Ricks! facing the musket of a Mountaineer team that's also looking for its sixth win. People want a quick fix and they want an answer and that's just not how football works. I still think that they can get themselves to bowl eligibility. This is KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU, West Virginia. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Dang it, hands, we need answers now. <laughs> Cougar Nation's not waiting for the answers. They need them now. The time is now. <laughs> oh, good stuff on that show open from our imaging team. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, an extended pregame. That voice you heard on the, on the uh, intro, Hans Olsen. We'll toss it over to him and Greg Rubel, who are also here in Morgantown. We'll toss it over to them coming up at the top of the hour as we get you ready for BYU and West Virginia, kicking off at 5 p.m. And it'll be on here on KSL News Radio and Fox Network, Fox Television. Matt, this is going to be a, a very interesting ball game tonight between BYU and West Virginia. Let's break it down even further with a segment we do every single extended pregame coverage, three and out. Three and out. A quick hit look at BYU's next opponent on the gridiron. It's three and out. 
Yeah, we do this every single football game, and it's a fun segment where we do a real deep dive on the matchup. We give you some interesting stats. We give you some players to watch. We give you some bold predictions. And like any other football drive, Mitch, you know where it begins. First down. That's right, Matt. In first down, we give you a stat to watch in tonight's matchup. And for me, the stat that you need to watch is 44.4%. That's BYU's third down defense, and that's just not good. It's 107th nationally. It's near the bottom in the Big 12 Conference. BYU has to get stops on third downs. I think it's critical, Matt. We were talking a little bit earlier in hour number one today about the importance of this, just because I feel like West Virginia, we know, is going to run the football a lot. They've got about five different options. They've got capable receivers, too, that Garrett Green can throw the rock to. He'll, he'll distribute the ball quite a bit. He's had you know games where he'll get it out to ten different receivers in a game. So they're confident there, too. But their, their bread and butter is running the football. And with these new clock rolls, I just feel like this could be a game where you look up and go, holy cow, how is it near the end of the first quarter already if you don't get off the field and put West Virginia in spots where it's third and eight, third and nine? You've got to come up with those stops when they're, when they're faced with this BYU defense. Yeah, that defense improved in a lot of areas, but third down defense, as you noted, still an issue for them. For me, the number is 26.5, and that represents West Virginia's scoring defense. They are giving up some points. In their last three games, Mitch, they've given up 41 48 and then 28 in a win against Central Florida. I think there's going to be opportunities for this offense to score points if they can convert in the red zone and keep the drives alive. But this West Virginia defense, by no means are they dominant. There's going to be opportunities. It's just a matter of whether this BOU offense led by Jake Retzlaff in his first start can take advantage of some opportunities. Second down. In second down, we look at players to watch. And always we do this every single week here on Extended Pregame or Cougar Sports Saturday every week from noon to 3 here on KSL News Radio. You brought up his name, Jake Retzlaff. We confirmed this week on KSL Sports that he's going to be starting tonight for BYU. He's my player to watch for BYU. I just think it's going to be fascinating to see how he fares. The first ever Jewish athlete to start at quarterback for BYU. This guy's embraced himself at, at BYU. He's enjoyed the, the time here in Provo. He arrived in, on campus in January, and he's a dual-threat guy. I just I feel like the way he plays, Matt, Cougar fans are going to enjoy this guy. Even if BYU comes away with a loss, but they're competitive, and they show fight, and the offense gives you flashes, some moments of brilliance, I think he's got the ability to get Cougar Nation to rally around him. He's a player to watch for me. And then also Cody Epps. Curious to see how Cody performs as he's been someone that's getting healthier week by week. Can he have a breakout performance this season? For me, the player to watch is Aiden Robbins. Mm. He's healthy in the past two games. He's at double-digit carries. But his yards per average have not been good enough. Low threes. Hasn't even sniffed a 100-yard game yet. And LJ... LJ's had a better yards per carry average, and he, he's banged up. We'll see if he's able to go. That's a game-time decision with LJ. But with Robbins, I want to see, can he get a 100-yard game? Like, BYU needs a rushing attack to help a quarterback, whether it's Slovis or Retzlaff, and it's going to be Retzlaff later tonight. They need a running game. I want to watch Aiden Robbins. He's finally getting into the flow of things. 
His third game with double-digit carries, I would presume, will happen against West Virginia. Can he get that yards per carry average up? Because the Cougars, between him, LJ, and little Miles Davis, not a single player has rushed for over 100 yards in a game. Boy, would it be great to see in West Virginia if one of these guys can put up a triple-digit number. And then for me, the Mountaineers, it's their quarterback, Garrett Green. Now, Green, Mitch... Not a great passing quarterback. He has struggled to complete passes this year. He's only had one game all season where he's completed more than 60% of his throws. And that was last week. And it was barely over 60%. It was 61% where he is really dynamic. As we heard earlier in, in getting to know the foe, he can run the football. His last four games, he has carried the ball over 10 times a game. Against Oklahoma State, he had over 100 yards rushing. This dude can beat you with his legs. And you already talked about the third down percentage. They will use him on third and short to pick up the first down. Can Jay Hill and this defense stop the running attack from not only the RBs, but Garrett Green? Third down. I'll just add, too, with, with Garrett Green, Matt, that he might be the fastest quarterback Cougar fans have seen since Taysom Hill. This guy's got legit speed. He's not Taysom Hill uh, as far as the sp- that level of speed. Taysom's in his own universe, but if there's a next grouping down, it's Garrett Green. He, is, he might be the fastest player on the football field tonight. He's a good one uh, in regards to his speed. Third down, we give you some bold predictions. Here's a bold one for you. I'm going to say Jake Retzlaff runs for more than 60 yards Whoa. in this game. I think that's pretty bold considering BYU's ground attack is, is non-existent. I just think Jake, he'll get about you know eight, nine carries, and he'll find a way – uh, to pick up some yards, maybe move the sticks a little bit. He'll have a, he'll have a run or two that he breaks off for some good yards. So Jake Ratzlaff, more than 60 rushing yards. What do you think of that? I like that. Does it concern you, though, the injury? Because we, we talked about this all throughout the show. Slovis is available as an emergency. I don't know what to make of that because I feel like Cade Finnegan is a capable backup. So do they just feel like Finnegan is nowhere near ready to go and that if – Retzlaff gets banged up. They're going to go back to Slovis. Like, I, I don't like the sound of that. So the 60 rush yards, I'm like, you got to keep this guy healthy. I, I agree with you. I just think that Retzlaff, his instincts will say, I got to run. He's going to, if some play just breaks down, he's like, I'm going to take off. And I think that's going to happen a few more times than Roderick would like. We talked about it earlier, Matt. I mean, I think that, you know, probably two to three design quarterback runs, unless it's a hot hand and they just keep running it and having success. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I don't think Roderick's going to turn to that well too often because, as you said, they got to keep him healthy. Here's my bold prediction I think BYU is going to score a touchdown on a trick play. Uh, and I want to bring on producer Nate, too, because I don't want to take the credit away from Nate because he brought this up. But tell us of a recent experience under Aaron Roderick where a first time quarterback got involved with some trick plays. Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning, and it's the 2019 Boise State game. I keep thinking about mm. Baylor Romney's first start, and it's crappy weather. Obviously, it's going to be a different scenario because it's on the road instead of being at home. But two of the touchdown passes that Baylor Romney had were on trick plays, and we haven't ran many this year, but I think that's going to change mm. today. I think I, I think I agree with Matt. BYU's going to score on a trick play this year. That's uh, a good pull, Nate. That's a really good pull because, look, I hate to look at that game in some respects – 
because I was in the stands for that, Mitch, and the weather was miserable. <laughs> so windy, sleet, snow. Like, I'll, I'll never forget how cold I was. You and I, we had just started doing the show together. I wasn't in the press box, and I was looking up there, and I'm like, that freaking Mitch Harper. He's probably wearing a jacket, eating some cookies. He's not suffering out here with the rest of Cougar Nation. So I remember that. And then I also remember that offense felt a little conservative. Even though there were the trick plays, I don't feel like they let Baylor Romney cook as much in that game as they did later in his career. So I'm a little worried from that regard, but a good pull in the trick plays. I like that. You know, BYU calls those things specials. Let's see a few more. We haven't seen any hardly at all this season. So let's let's dial in and tap into those those special well for BYU today. We've only seen two, Mitch. We've seen there was the scoring play with Parker Kingston to Deion Smith in Fayetteville, which that was a sweet play, which changed the game. And then... There was one to Rex. Was that against Tech? I'm trying to remember the double. Does, does that ring a bell, Mitch? Hmm. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top Nate, of my head. Nate seems to know. Yeah, I think it was Texas Tech, the double reverse pass. Oh, that's right. That Can we even call reverse. that a special anymore? No. We've seen that play so many times. Where's like a good old-fashioned... We're, hey, maybe this is a, an appropriate game to bust out the Baroni Laulu Pututau play <laughs> from Wisconsin, right? Let's see it. Pull it all out there because <laughs> the odd, odds makers are saying you're going to get smoked tonight. And, hey, come out here, East Coast. The, the crowd is going to be against you. There's not going to be many BYU fans. There will be some. But this is going to be a relatively light showing for BYU. It's tough to get here. I mean, you got to you got to find a way to you know drive an hour and a half from Pittsburgh to to Morgantown. It's not easy, and so you know the crowd's going to be against you. And hey, just let it all out there. Let's see what Jake Retzlaff and this offense has got. All right, let's take a break here. Uh, you mentioned it. The wise guys in the desert—they don't like the Cougs. Do you and me and Nate? Do we like the Cougs? We'll discuss that next. Our bold, not bold predictions, our score predictions coming on the other side. BYU West Virginia extended pregame rolls on. Back after this. BYU West Virginia in the gun. The hand clap, the snap, the short drop, the sprint out to the right. Keaton throws and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown. Special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. We've had a great time today on extended pregame coverage and however and wherever you've listened to extended pregame coverage, we appreciate you, Cougar Nation. And we'll be breaking this game, ga- uh, the breaking this game down further on Monday for Cougar Nation. We do this every Monday during the football season, normally from 6 to 7, but because of BOU basketball, which gets things kicked off next Monday, we're bumping Cougar Nation up 12 to 1, breaking down West Virginia and BYU. So... Don't miss out on that time change. We love hearing from you, Cougar Nation, every single Monday as we recap the previous game. But right now, Mitch, it's that time. Our prediction time for what's going to happen in Morgantown. Let's start things off with producer Nate. Nate, how do you see this thing going in about two hours? You know, I think we're going to be able to tell really early. Thinking back at some of the games BYU struggled in most this year, BYU is giving up either a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown early. And I think in order for BYU to win this game, they're going to have to prevent scores happening when the offense is not on the field for West Virginia. So I think if if BYU defense can hold that, they're also going to have to keep the score low. I I don't think BYU has the firepower today to be able to score four touchdowns. And there's been a lot of talk about Retzlaff starting, but I think there's also going to be other starters on offense. We've heard rumors of not being able to play today. So uh, I... I'm, You're not optimistic. I'm not optimistic, 
but I know there's probably less optimism in this room right now. So I'm going to say BYU can do that, and if they do, they'll win at 27-24. You got BYU in a win? Yeah, why not? Okay. (laughs) There's too much negativity in this world, Matt. (laughs) I love your attitude. Unfortunately, I was born out of the womb a pessimist, and I am not feeling good about this game against uh, West Virginia in a couple hours. I just – I don't feel like – this offensive coaching staff has been pulling the right levers this year to unlock the potential. And I just don't see that changing against West Virginia later today. Unfortunately, I've got to pick the Mountaineers 30 to 17. I'm worried about what we've discussed all day. The Mountaineers can run the football and BYU's third down defense, as Mitch pointed out in three and out, it has not been good enough this year. Can they force enough turnovers and get off the field? I've got concerns uh, enough concerns to pick West Virginia thirty to seventeen. What about you, Mitch? I'm. You know what? I I love Nate's pick. It's in the words of Pat McAfee. I love everything about you. I love it. I love the lettuce. I love everything. But uh, <laughs> but uh, Matt, I respect your pick though, and I'm kind of more in lockstep with you. I'm going with a weird score. I could see West Virginia maybe missing a PAT. Maybe BYU has to go for two on something, get creative, to get aggressive. So I'm going to say West Virginia twenty six. BYU 16, some weird score. BYU hangs around, but not quite enough where you feel like West Virginia comes away. They get their six win to bowl eligibility. I think that's an underrated component here. West Virginia is very motivated to get that six win. They got a lighter schedule down the stretch than BYU does. BYU's got a tough gauntlet. This is more one of the more winnable games, and that highlights how tough this schedule is when you are looking at BYU as a two-digit under or two-touchdown underdog. I'm going to say West Virginia gets it done, 26-16. I will add, if this was a home game, I'd probably pick BYU. I just feel like yeah. the Cougs have been so much better at home this year. Well, also, too, Matt, as, as Nate noted, some of the injuries. You know, Darius Laster, he's he's banged up. Paul Miley's banged up. Chase Roberts is banged up. Uh, we'll get official word on these guys inside the stadium here momentarily. But, you know, there, there is a long list of injuries on this team, and it's a tough spot to suddenly expect these guys – to step in and, and, and get deliver a big win. So uh, it's a banged-up group, and they'd have to put great, get some great performances from backups to, to get this thing done. That'll do it for extended pregame coverage. Thanks to our producer, Nate Slack. Thanks to Dave Meek and Bordoff. Thanks to you, Mitch. Enjoy the scenic drive down to Morgantown, West Virginia. I'll hand it over to Craig, Mitch Jurgens, Hans Olsen, and the boys for BYU and West Virginia.